Today's episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast is brought to you by the Bone Collector North American Whitetail Championships. The championships is a first of its kind and it was created for the everyday whitetail deer hunter. Broken up into 14 regions across America and Canada, you can qualify for the championships for your chance to win $50,000. It's only $300 per man to enter, so it's a no-brainer, guys. If you have a bow and you have some arrows and you take pride in your archery and you love chasing whitetail deer across America and Canada, check them out at nawtc.com or the bonecollector.com website and get details to get signed up now. Again, the North American Whitetail Championships brought to you by Bone Collector, Michael Waddell, all of his crew out there supporting it. It's the first of its kind. It's going to be awesome. You guys are going to love it. Get signed up. Let's make this one for the ages and let's continue it for many years to come. The Bone Collector North American Whitetail Championships. Thank you very much for being a partner here at This Life Ain't For Everybody. Hey everybody out there in the podcast world, Chad Belding coming at you with another new episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Last week I was coming at you from the great state of Arkansas, the Grand Prairie down there by Stuttgart, chasing mallard ducks in the flooded trees, the woods, prairie wings. I wanted to send a big thank you out to my Arkansas family for rolling out the red carpet to us again. Um, it's very humbling to get to experience what we do down there. And lo and behold, we come right next door to the west a little bit to the state of Oklahoma where I sit now. And the same thing happens. The hospitality, the camaraderie, the generosity, just that uh, compassion and that heart of a hunter. I think it spreads through this lifestyle. And if you are ingrained with it, you have it. And right now I sit with Mr. Blue Moore and Mr. Trey Miller, the owner, co-owners, co-founders, the operators of Flat line outfitters in the great state of Oklahoma. I'm proud to be an Okie from Muskogee. That's funny. A place where even squares can have a ball. We still fly old glory down on Main Street. Come on, guys. And why <laughs> lightning still the biggest thrill of all. Get it, Merle. So, guys, this is... Uh, this is my second year coming to Flatline. Blue approached me a, a little, probably a year and a half ago, and I was kind of hesitant because you just get a, you get messages all the time from guys saying, "Hey, man, you, we see you on TV and whatever." But Blue's approach was different. He was uh, down to earth. He was just real organic about it. We developed a friendship. He introduced me to his partner Trey. Trey was a quiet dude last year, but he's starting to open up, open up on uh, him with himself a little bit. So I want to take the time to sit down with these guys and let you know what's going on in Oklahoma in the waterfowl world because these guys straight up have it going on and that's why we come back here not just for the killing but i'm talking the work ethic the networking the land management the relationships with farmers and landowners the decoy spreads the equipment the organization the professionalism the communication their guides they work their asses off daily they get on birds they get on big 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 feeds i'm talking 15,000 bird feeds with snows canada's lesser canada's mallards widgeons pintails the occasional speckle belly they hunt a little bit on water, but they really, really target the peanut fields, the milo fields, the winter wheat fields. Am I missing anything, Mr. Blue? The cornfields. <laughs> the cornfields. But talk to me a little bit about, about Flatline. You, uh, The way I understand it is... Um, a couple years ago, you had another operation that that Trey was actually an employee of yours and a guide, yes. and he, you and him had come up with this idea to step away and to start your own outfitting service. Is that how it went? Uh, yeah, so similar to that. Uh, I kind of went separate ways with the other outfitter and that I was owner of and part owner of, and Trey was our number one guide, and he's a very honest, you know, loyal person, and I knew I could trust him, you know, so I asked if he wanted to partner up with me and start a gu another guide service, you know, and we did. We stepped away from the other outfitter and started our own thing, and it's grown tremendously fast. How long ago was that, Trey, that that happened? Two years? Three. 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 So were you surprised when Blue came to you? Were you kind of like, wow, this is cool? Did it, my hard work and my dedication to this place is paying off, and Blue noticed it? Yes and no. I, I kind of saw it coming. So I, I was kind of ready. I, I knew it was... We was good friends already, yeah. so... So what roles were you guys going to take on? I know Blue's the... He's the salesman, right? He's the He's, he's the, the salesman and the land man. I'm the land man. I get all the land. I mean, right here around my hometown, I'm I'm the land man around here, and then we start getting out around, out 
expanding and he, he has everything. Well, what does that mean? Tell me exactly what being a quote unquote landman means. When you're part of an outfit like this, everybody has to know their roles. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of once you start taking the responsibility on to take somebody's money and mm-hmm. tell them that you're going to. You always hear the hunt of a lifetime and, and, and all this stuff, and you, that gets old. It's not about coming on the hunt of a lifetime. It's about being up front and open with these guys of, hey, this is hunting, and this is That's what right. we have in place to ensure that your hunts are going to be the best opportunities. But we can't control the birds, which that's the best approach to take, and that's what you guys do take. But what it, being a landman... Is this a, a daily deal, a year-round? To me, it seems like it would be a year-round deal. It's, year, it's yearly. It is. I mean, and it's something I've been doing probably for the last seven, eight years. You know what I mean? I mean, I've been gaining ground every year for the last seven, eight years. I mean, we have a vast amount of land. And, and what does it take? You just knock on a door? No, it's it's more than that, no. it's. Uh, I mean, first of all, it's finding the birds where they want to go, you know? And then it's talking to the farmer and seeing if there's anyone else that's already got it, you know, leased up or something, or if it's available. And we make a lease agreement with them, you know, and we treat them right and we're honest to them. And the usually goes on every year. And we get we get, usually get all the farmers in that area. Once that farmer knows that we're honest and he can trust us and we do what we say we're going to do. I mean, he tells his buddies and it's like a domino effect, you know, we just keep growing. And then when you we say just, we do them right, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're fine. We do them right. I mean, you know, well, let's talk about doing a farm right. So let's the, the initial part of this is it, 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 anybody can go knock on a door and offer somebody some money to shoot their field. Right. But this is more of a deal to where trust and credibility comes yep. into play to where it's going to continue. And for years. Yeah. And they're going to give right. you their fields to hunt on. Right. You're still going to give them, you know, that you're going to you're going to. I don't know what the financial gain is for them. That's not my business, but you're still going to take care of them. But taking care of them to me means more than just giving them a check or some cash. I'm talking like that's right. uh, like Christmas gifts, stopping by and saying hi and having a cup of coffee. Farmers like to have coffee and talk. They, oh, like, they like to talk, yeah. They like they to like talk. They're yeah. stuck in those combines by themselves so much, you know. Yeah. So And they want their land respected. I mean, check yeah, they, they gates, they pick up respected. after yourself, yeah. try not to leave ruts. You know, just yeah, we don't do, drive do, out in the middle right. of fields when I mean, it's wet and mess their fields up. We just don't do stuff. Like and, and make sure you shut gates so cows don't get out, etc. Other people won't come in. Unwanted people don't come in. I mean, leave trash and leave gates open. Yeah, I saw it yesterday. We hunted a weed line yesterday. Mm-hmm. We developed what we call mm-hmm. a false line with the, with the panel blinds. We went and we got a bunch of tumbleweeds that were brought in from a different part of the the same land but at the end we very easily could have drove out we picked up all of our holes we picked up all of our trash we we made sure that everything was taken care of. we very easily could have left those tumbleweeds which could blow away no problem mm-hmm. laying out there on that winter wheat field but we did i went to trey and said hey what do we do with this and trey said i want to pick every one of them up i want to get them on this side of the fence back over to where they were i don't want to leave anything that was unnatural to the spot and that's what we did mm-hmm. and people think man it's you know that you 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 can walk the walk or talk to talk but do you really walk the walk it took us five minutes uh, three of us or four of us to get and that was a lot of tumbleweeds it was. but and and we got stickers in our hands i mean yeah. we were i mean this is like some, <laughs> this is like some painstaking manual labor here right and and um it took us five minutes mm-hmm. and when you turn around and you look at where you just hunted it looks like we were never there not a hundred percent because there's some crumbs there's no doubt but it took us an hour to hunt and it took us an hour to do the post work with the cameras. Mm-hmm. And then it took us 45 minutes to break down and leave the land looking immaculate to where mm-hmm. I already know that you guys have been in contact with the landowner since. And he already said, you guys have it again coming up here in the next few days. That yep. happened with both landowners we've hunted on so yep. far. Oh, yep. yeah. And then I've hunted on all of them since I was a kid. I mean, growing up. I, I mean, ever since I started waterfowl hunting, I've, I've hunted on those guys. What, why do you think that you guys are, are growing so fast? I would think I would attribute it to things like that, right? Yep. We know that you have, we know that you're going to get on birds, yep. but I would attribute it to where your clients are being seeing honest. that dedication, right? Mm-hmm. Being honest and upfront with the clients and just not being sneaky and lying to mm-hmm. them like a lot of outfitters do. You and, know? and if we don't, we don't have them, to, we don't have them, you know? And doing our best to put them on birds. I mean, watching us try and, and, and keep going, I mean doing our best i mean working our butts off yeah and I, I see that part of it daily and what blows my mind is that in two years you guys have well, you have 
one, two, three, four, five, six full-time guides now that work the entire season, or is that is so that like a, eight, seven or eight? Seven or eight full-time guides that are they're working every day. So this yeah, means we're you're working right now. Yeah, we got guys working right now. Yeah, I just saw one picture from this morning. They pounded them in the rain. Yep. They hammered them. Yeah, yep. widgeons and geese. Yeah, yep. lessers and widgeons. Yeah, winter wheat. Yeah, Carson's field. Yeah, let's talk about this Carson kid for a second. <laughs> Goofy looking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trey said it. No, he's awesome, ain't he? I he remember is, the first time I, ta- I met Carson, he had them Carhartt pants on. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what's all over your pants? Look like he'd been like doing tar or something on the road. And he's like, that's goose blood, man. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, I haven't washed these in four seasons or something. I'm like, you're not that smart, man. Nobody cares. First of all, you shouldn't be getting that much blood on your pants, right? I believe you put bibs right. over your nice Carhartt pants, right? right? Yeah. What's wrong with this kid? Tell me about Carson uh, a little bit. Kind of like, you know, a, like a baseball player wearing the same socks, you know what I mean? And not wanting to change them in the, in the, in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Kind of like that. It's kind of like a pants. fad. Lucky pants. Lucky pants. It's, it's a fad too. I mean, he has buddies that do the same. Same thing. Outfitters or guides that do this? Just, yeah, yeah there's a few. Not very many. So you're saying that some guides and outfitters are slobs? Oh, there's a few. There's a few. Talk to me, though, about Carson. Um, I see a lot of desire, a lot of want, a lot of passion. He, he has a lot of fire. He wants to get better. Yep. He wants yep. to be the man <laughs> when it comes to keeping clients happy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He wants to hone his skills. Call, he sounds like a duck. He sounds like a goose. All of you guys do. You're very proficient callers. Short read goose calls, duck calls. Um what makes him a good guide? Talk to me about that. I've, I've always wondered. Clients like him. Yep. I mean, that's the number one thing. The clients like him. I mean, they have to have fun. I mean, when they're on their hunt, you know what I mean? If they don't kill them really good every day, they got to have, they can't just be unhappy throughout the hunt, you know, not like the guide that they're with. I mean, Carson works really hard. I mean, he's a, he's a good hand. Very good. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Probably, good? Well, he's our, he's our, probably our top guide right now. What's a hand? Somebody that works hard every day. Is that a farming or ranching term? Whether he wants to or not. Is that an (laughs) Oklahoma term? That's Oklahoma slang, yeah. That's a ranch hand, farm hand. Making a hand, son. Yep. So you're becoming a worker. Yep. So he started as maybe like an apprentice under your your guidance, you two guidance, and now he's out on his own guiding groups every day. Yep. In which he's got help, but, I mean, he was our help when we were trying to get going. What I like about when you say he's got help, he's got help where – He's got more guys, more of yeah. our guides with him. Yeah. And yeah. they go in together early in the morning and yep. they set up because it's a lot of work to hide blinds, whether it's a panel blind or ground blinds and the weed lines and the, co- right. the cover and the concealment, mm-hmm. the natural vegetation is a lot of work. Some of those guides are, you know, they're still in their apprenticeship. I mean, yep. they're going to set up and they're going to tear down and they're going to leave and they're going to go scout. I mean, yep. they're not going to get to hunt. I mean, it's, it's not about my guys getting to hunt. It's about our clients getting to hunt, you yep. know. So you're saying that so. early in the morning before the clients get there, I'm picturing this, they can, these guides meet up and they converge on this field. That's right. Mm-hmm. Trailer door opens and the, 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 the masterpiece starts to get set. These guides are working together. That's Here's right. The winds of this. We got sunny today. Or we got overcast today. We got to do this. That's Here's right. how we're going to hide on the edge. Mm-hmm. We're going to get out on this, on this island here with some trees, whatever it is. And then right. Carson stays and guides and calls and hunts. He helps, yep. he helps set up and he helps direct the setup and everything too. You and know? then he stays and then a couple of the other ones take off and they go mm-hmm. look for the birds for uh, yeah. the hunt tomorrow. Yep. Usually Charlie and Carson. Yeah, we have, we have a couple guys out in the field. Usually that, two guys on that the That way, the if hunt. they need to make changes to the decoys or anything, that they can right. handle it. Where if it's just one guy, like, oh, early this year, I That's ran a crane much. hunt and it was by myself. That's and too much. I had yeah. to make movements and it, it, it was tough by myself. So when Carson's coming up, as you know a quote-unquote apprentice a couple years ago and you see him do you start to see it when it's time to say i trust him with clients that again yeah it's you're 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 taking money to put people on a hunt that's a big responsibility they can't come from louisiana like they do to come hunt with y'all you take their money as a deposit you tell them we're going to get them and then they get here and you put them with this carson guy that doesn't know his ass and then they get them and then the guys that are with carson's got to know his stuff before you put him out there to, to take on that responsibility right right those guys are actually from Louisiana. He's taking it today. Oh, they, they come up in Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, they Isn't having cages, Cajuns in camp the best with the oh, food they bring up? Oh, uh-huh. yeah. And they bring up the gator and the gumbos and yep. the etouffees and everything? I yep. guess they brought a lot of food. And they do every time. That's how you socialize yeah. in Louisiana. Oh, yeah. And they're, they're fun. I mean, I they socialize fun anywhere, really. Yeah. Food, food, food I mean, around. Right. Like lemon drops. 
Lemon drops, yeah. Lemon drops. I got, my, I got my hand on them right now. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded weird. That's yeah, what you call it. <laughs> so, so Carson's... So Carson's now. You're saying your main guide. Mm-hmm. He's our head guide. Yeah, yep. head guide. Yeah. And then you have who else? Who's he's been with us the longest, and we trust him. You know what I mean? To get it done and take care of stuff. And who the else? The way we do it. Who else is running? Who else is is what you call your guides? Oh, Charlie Barberini is one is our other head guide. He runs hunts for us as well. Mm-hmm. Charlie, the one that I met that uh, Charlie that, yep. that was just up in Alaska. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He guides for Jimmy he, Jack on a he's got it for Tony. He's got it for Kansas Hurt Locker. He's he's been around. He's been around the world. Yeah. He's, so he's, he's got it for Vandemort Habitat Flats. Yeah, he, he guides snuggies for them every every spring. He will again this spring. Yes, Starting yes. in Arkansas. Yep. Starts and then moving up to Missouri. Yep. So okay, so you got you got Carson and Charlie. Then the the one we've been running with the last couple of days, Jake. This kid's Jake. a little stud. Twenty one yep. years old. Yep, he's a good, he's an up and comer. Yep. Is he a good hand? He yes. is. He's yes. a very good he, hand. he does anything we ask him to do and busts his butt and and goes about it. I mean, so he's a good hand. Um, good hand as in he can do it all. Uh, yeah. yeah, he can. He can do it all. Yeah. yeah. So if there's one weakness in a guy like Carson or Jake, do you do you sit him down and talk to him like an employer? Like, hey, guys, this is what we're seeing. We'd like to, you know, like, or do you just, do you let it go on set and see if they figure it out? Or no, do you sit no. somebody like Jake yeah. down and say, hey. Yeah, I'll tell him, hey, man, you know, you're doing great, you know, but this is what you need to work on right here. Mm-hmm. You master this and you got it. You know what I mean? So what's left for Jake to master to get to go out on his own with a group? Really just fine-toning his goose call. I mean, he's, he's coming around with it good. He just needs a little more practice and more confidence, you know? And, and learning Lesser Canada geese itself. I mean, he's he's from eastern Oklahoma. He, they don't, he hasn't been around that part of the world much. He hasn't got to hunt the lessers like yeah. we have. I mean, he, every time he hunts, it's I mean, with he the, has I this mean, year. The, so. I mean, yeah, this is his first year to really hunt lessers. He'll I mean, be tuned up by the end of this season, oh, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> so what? So when you say hunting Lesser Canada geese, Trey, what do you mean? What, what do I, if I'm coming here and I say, hey, Blue Trey, I want to. I want to be a guide, and then you go. Well, have you ever hunted lessers? And I say no. What do I need to know the difference? I I, I go. I mean, I've hunted a lot of honkers in Nebraska on the Platte mm-hmm. River. You know, we, we get groups of ten, twelve at a time. They come in, you know, methodical, big can of geese. You're gonna say no. That's not how this is. No, what, right. It's totally different. It's hard and fast. I mean, it's different. Tight yeah. decoys, big big spreads. What do you mean tight decoys? I mean, you, pa- you pack them, pack them tight. I mean, it's we put the mass of decoys where we want to pull the birds to, with the lessers. So you put they're going to go where the most decoys are, and you put them right next to each other. Almost, well, almost close. touching where we really pack them at. Yeah, yeah, close. Why is that? So from. They want to be where the excitement is. The lessers do. A lot of times you hear, you know, spread them out, get them in family groups with honkers. You know, if it's not cold outside and they don't need to, you know, help, you know, reserve that body heat mm-hmm. and stay close together to stay huddled up for body heat. Mm-hmm. You spread them out. You make it look bigger. You're like yesterday we had 20 dozen decoys out and it didn't look real big because it wasn't so expanded. But when you get above it with the drone, you can see exactly there's a lot of a lot of action going on yeah. down there. We probably so, have more now. I bet we had 50 dozen. No, yesterday morning we didn't. With the, well, okay, maybe not. Well, maybe we did. Uh, I'm going to say 30 dozen. I mean, we only have 15 dozen, or 30 dozen dive bombs, I guess, is what we have, and we didn't put all of them out. So you're saying that, you're saying that with, let's say that we have 25, 30 dozen. All I'm saying is that with a a honker spread and you would spread it way out, it would Mm -hmm. look way bigger from, you know, from the ground. From a perspective, When we got above that spread yesterday, it really looked like a lot of decoys moving around down Mm -hmm. there. So, but there wasn't a, like a, there was one landing hole on there. What I've heard about lessers is like, you want to have a couple. Do you always have like one place for lessers to work into the kill hole or do you ever do it where you, where you develop multiple kill holes? Yeah, we do sometimes. What tells you when you need to do that? Just watching the birds. Seeing what they do in the field, scouting, scouting, seeing how they're coming in and where they're, how they're landing, and mm-hmm. how they're grouped up, and if their snows there, where the snows are in conjunction of the lessers. I mean, we just watch them, study them. So when you're out scouting, you're in your binoculars looking at the where they're hitting in the field, how they're sitting up, how they're mm-hmm. reacting to each other, how We're the groups are approaching. Out the next day's where, where the closest hide is, where the best place to hide is. And what's the best hide for lessers? Is it ground blinds? Can you get them in a panel blind uh, consistently? I mean, there's yeah, yeah there's multiple there ways. Was, there was one year that's all we hunted out of was our our A frame, yeah. and uh, which nobody was hunting out of them. I mean, it's gotten a little different now that people are hunting out of them. 
Do you, when you're on the X for a lesser hunt and you know the geese are coming to that field, do you flag lessers like I would flag? Even if I'm on the X for big geese, I flag to show them that this is where the action is, that, mm-hmm. you know, like this is where I you want can. you to finish. I we, mean, we do a little bit. Until they get too close. Yeah. I mean, then they're going to pick you out. And really, we only really flag when we're trying to pull them over there right. if, if they're going, trying to go somewhere else. But it's mainly relying on hard, fast calling. Yeah. I mean, I mean generally the X, they see they're us, coming. they're coming. They're, they're coming not, if we're yeah. on the X anyway. Right. We don't have to fly. So you don't that you don't think that being realistic, you want to show some motion in there. You know they're coming with loud, hard calling. They're going to at least get to where they can see those decoys and that movement mm-hmm. and start working we use some, some robo stuff too. Yeah. Some clowns and some. I, I have some flappers, some X flappers for movement. For movement that I, I don't think I put them out this year, but in years past we always do. And you guys, I hear you guys use the word the um, the term spins a lot. What is a, a spin when you're lesser hunting? Oh, five hundred. 500 geese at least if not more i've had i've had groups of three or four thousand come in and the we've spin had, is the we've actual had, we've had ten thousand in a spin on top of us before and so the spin is the actual working as yeah. they start to come down because yeah. right. they, they kind of rotate like snow geese like a, a tornado i mean it it's 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 a sight yeah i saw it yesterday it a spin amazing. is more than 500 a spin is more than a thousand a spin is two thousand or more that's really? a spin, yeah. I wouldn't call five hundred a spin. What do you call it? Just a flock? I mean, yeah. So you got to be you something that I don't really get excited about. <laughs> so, so that's an interesting. That's an interesting point. I get excited about the big spins. So I mean. okay, there's two interesting points in that statement to me. Right. One is if you're t- again taking that money from a potential group of clients or a group of clients coming to Flatline, what will you put them on what does that field have to have in it for you say we're hunting that field for paying clients five thousand plus birds five thousand plus a mixture of ducks and geese but mainly geese whatever yeah i mean it doesn't matter we'll focus on mainly geese i mean if we have mixtures of ducks we're gonna hunt them what's the most ducks you guys have seen in a situation that you went in and hunted estimate i know it's hard to count ducks in a dry field yeah i've seen fifty thousand. Fifty. yeah five oh we're yeah. not going to say where. I don't, I'm not going to ask, but 50, I'm just five, you. zero, 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 zero. Yeah. Oh, you're saying that's a trade. I'm, right, yeah. I'm not even going to ask. We're not going to say where. 50,000 ducks in a field. Yeah. Right. Really? Yeah. yeah. You can see the tornado from five miles away. Yeah. So would you go hunt that or would oh, you wait yeah. until they break up? <laughs> we no, don't we it. hunt it. We'll be done. We'll be finished. We'll be letting yeah, it we, out we before the big shoot like three or four groups. I mean, well, it depends on the shooters, you know. We're usually limited it out before the big, du- the big watts come. I mean, like we hunted peanuts the other day and there was probably 15,000 going there and we shot them you know we might have shot at 5,000 ducks so 10,000 came and landed in the field and ate till dark and we sit, they sat in the blinds and, we, and watched they're still going so you don't get up and pick up and cause ruckus you wait no, until the right, birds yeah. are in and out yeah. right. you just sit there so what if it's a morning hunt and you kill them that fast or wait until they get leave the, to go back to the water really right Yeah. you'll stay in there until I mean yeah. it could be or we'll, we'll walk out yeah we'll just walk out We'll walk out, leave the decoys, and then when they leave, we'll go pick up. We'll let the clients go get on. and We try not to push them out, you know. So the other question that you brought up just a second ago, one was how many birds in a field does it take? But now when you start talking about it doesn't get me excited unless there's 2,000. That's a quote by Blue Moore. You know, 2,000 or more is what gets me excited. So, okay, so in a volley, which is a jargon word for hunting it's right. not a volleyball it's that's actually saying get them and shoot them that's a volley when you come up and shoot a group mm-hmm. of birds is a volley a group of birds being shot at yes well being worked. well being worked i thought that attempted was a spin. To shoot at them attempted to, <laughs> attempting to shoot at them a volley is just a group coming like here comes a volley. i thought that was a spin a spin is when they are working us and they are doing it and we are okay so to, we are if, fixing to shoot them so you, that's a spin so there's two thousand birds in a spin you don't let them work and leave so oh, you don't yeah. educate a bunch of birds and shoot the smaller groups or are you shooting into that two thousand bird spin we're shooting into it yeah really oh yeah, yeah. So what's the mentality behind that? Don't you want to save your bird or keep your birds on, uh, the least educated as possible so you can shoot them again? Or do they forget that fast? They seem we, like they forget that fast. Well, I mean, we do it every day. I mean, there's so many geese on so many fields. I mean, we just go to another field, on another I mean, field, it, and then go to another one, hunt I, another one. I don't one. know I mean, if you noticed we're not yesterday. We're the same field and the same birds every day. I don't know if you noticed yesterday. The smaller groups actually didn't work as good as the big groups. Right. Once you get a big, once you get a big group locked in and they start spinning, it's over. 
I mean, they're going to do it. They're going to land. Because they, they get their cells excited. The decoys. I mean, it seems like it's like that with almost all bird species in dry fields. Like, even mm-hmm. with mallards. It is. It is. You get a bunch of them, they get dumb. Like, they get in a race. They, yes. get, they, they get, get excited. They get to spin, and it's just who can get to the ground they, first. They're, they're talking to each other, so they, honestly, you get a bunch of geese in there. They really can't even hear us calling, because all they can hear is themselves. Yeah. And they just dump right in. Yeah, I've seen that a lot. So you have to really shoot at them because you're not working the smaller groups and almost every group you see is big with lessers mm-hmm. there's just so many geese here yeah. yeah i mean has it all you guys are both from oklahoma right yes right. has it always been like this always yes. since always. you were kids it's been yes, this many always. birds actually it was even more it was better sometimes. when i was younger why mm-hmm. is it ne- it's only too many co- outfitters now too many outfitters now well and, and we've had warmer years than but why Normal. did it's, it doesn't seem to me like Oklahoma up until maybe seven, eight years ago was ever like a destination for an out of state waterfowl. Yeah, it was just people a hidden know. gem. It was just a hidden gem like yeah. Kansas was. Yep. So know. are you guys glad that people know to, to, to get business now or do you wish it was still a little bit quieter? It, it, it has it's, its like plus and minuses. I mean, I mean it. Well, why would you bring a TV show in here to put it on national TV if you didn't want it? I know that for a fact that the way I heard about Oklahoma was Barney Caleb. Right. You know, back in the day, Barney would film some shows down here, and I'd see it. Like, but I never saw the what I see now. I right. saw like some offshoots of rivers, and he'd hunt widgeons on a backwater or something. It wasn't like they were getting big. Wor- I don't remember any huge flocks of Barneys in Oklahoma. They might have been. I just didn't see it. But now it seems like every time I come here, like when we were on that reservoir last year. If you want to say the name of it, you can. But I'm not going to. There had to be. There had to be, and I'm not exaggerating somewhere between 600,000 and a million birds on. You could walk across the Canada right. geese and mm-hmm. there was some snows and a bunch of mallards, but it was mainly lesser Canada's and some big ones. Mm-hmm. Dude, I could not believe how many geese were there. That, and they were there for two months. Big time two months. So you, you're telling me that you have, you've had this historically at least since you guys have been born coming up as young hunters? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, they, um, and uh, did your dads get you guys into it? My dad had me deer hunting and turkey hunting my entire life. He he, he won't hunt waterfowl. He just was raised Same. against it. And my my neighbor actually got me into hunting waterfowl. And once I got going, I got hooked, and it just became my thing. I, I actually quit deer hunting for years. I mean, I go out and shoot a doe with my bow, and and that that, that was all I did for deer. I mean, I still love turkey hunting. I'll, I'll turkey hunt every year, but as much as you do Canada geese. Well, I mean, turkey season's not near as long as goose season. No, I know, but what, like, <laughs> you I'm can talking, only kill two. I'm talking, yeah. I'm talking about the, well, the excitement that it brings to you. Do you guys? Oh, I love killing turkeys as much as those big yeah. lesser spins. Yeah, if really? not more. You got a problem. You got I issues. <laughs> yeah, I saw Blue's eyes go. Whoa, man! Know, Said I'm nobody ever, yeah. Trey. Yeah. <laughs> Said nobody ever. No, I'm just messing. Turkeys do it for me, but nowhere near what we saw yesterday. Yeah. And here's here. I want to explain yesterday's day. Yesterday's day. Um, as far as what I got to experience, I got here the night before last Trey dropped me a pin to go look at the field. We were going to hunt, which was a long ass drive from the lodge. <laughs> I'm talking like 90 seconds, maybe no, it's about four minutes. Get the, I go out there and I got all these new loopholes and I'm, I'm excited as heck to use. And I'm looking for the field and it didn't take me long to find it. I was like, holy smokes. Like, look at these lessers. A couple groups came in. I was getting there. I got there a little late, a little after five. And a couple more groups filtered in there. And I'm like, yeah, they're in there big. And then you came and met me, Trey. Yep. And we went and looked at this mallard field down the road a couple miles. And as we drove past the lesser feed, it was like it was never ending. All we could it, see was the front line. It's all we could see blue was the front line from where we sat. That's mm-hmm. why I was talking about the decoy spreads with the drone. It's completely yeah. different than being in the blind and looking at your decoy mm-hmm. spread. So we drive past them. I'm like, like I had to stop and I'm just like gasping. I'm like, it took my breath away. I'm like, oh mm-hmm. my God, this, there's more than 5,000 in there. This yeah. is big. And then when we sat up, well, before that part, we go and we look at the, the field that we wanted to hunt yesterday evening so we would have had a morning hunt and then an afternoon duck shooting Mm -hmm. i saw maybe 300 mallards 400 mallards but you're like no there's about 2,000 in here this morning you're credible we trust each other we're friends i said Mm -hmm. perfect so now here we are hunt day we get out there in the morning and we saw 15,000 lessers probably yeah probably we had a chance to work a ton we could Mm -hmm. have killed at least a 30 to 40 man limit, an oh, eight yeah. man limit. We killed a seven man limit in 41 minutes, 31 or 41, 41 minutes, a seven man limit times eight, 56 lesser Canada geese. 
did our work, flew the drone around, got to some cool shots for the Foul Life episodes here for here, picked up, went and ate lunch, got done with lunch, came back here, did a little bit of camera work for the production crew, and then we're, you guys went out, we're setting up the blind, I waited for one camera guy, came out, we helped set up the spread, got, got everything ready, and remember, I saw two to 300 ducks in there the day before. I saw all mallards. Mm-hmm. We saw at least 10,000 ducks yesterday. Yeah, yeah. they're so still there. That's what's so freaking awesome about waterfowl hunting. You said you saw them again this morning. They're, they they're still there. there. They're, there's probably more there now. More and geese, and snow ducks. geese and yeah. That's what I love about waterfowling is that you're like you're out there like, yeah, it's pretty good. And then something happened up north, in my yep. opinion. Some storm south. hit, or maybe south. south. But snow up north and maybe yep. the south wind that we had. Mm-hmm. And the birds multiplied overnight and you're yep. just like in awe and they just t- they leave you breathless. that duck hunt yesterday wasn't perfect only because we didn't have sun if we'd have had sun yesterday we would have smoked i mean it, i mean we did smoke them and we killed every bird at 10 yards mm-hmm. but we would have had an absolute freaking made every group of them mallards you know how they get in the sunshine they're just yeah. not the same when it's cloudy I mean, period yeah. seven bull sprigs out of one volley Which, i've never seen it in my life down. I've, I've never seen I've that many pencil drakes get killed in one volley when you I mean, walked back to the blind with with millie and guys with many we had seven guys shooting a group mm-hmm. of eight comes in we killed seven of the eight of the eight and only six guys were shooting because jake was taking pictures on that flock that he you walk back with seven bulls when i'm talking like legit mature sprigs yep. coming out the back in one hand it was a yep. courtship flight yeah all them bulls were chasing that one hen around you see pictures like that in du or terry redland paintings where all the bulls are on one hen you know and it's a courtship flight they're trying to impress her and they it, they got in trouble. They yeah. got in trouble. <laughs> it happens in our life too. That stuff gets us in trouble. Yes, when are we ever going to learn as a male species to stop it, <laughs> Trey? We got to stop love, it. I guess they were in love, weren't they? Yeah. Yep. But I'm talking like that was my day. So lesser can of geese, seven man limit, fifty six birds in the morning, afternoon. We were done an hour before shooting light last mm-hmm. night, too. The birds flew early. So we have seven guys times six, 42 bird limit, 56 plus 42. Don't tell me. 56, 42, six plus two, eight. I said don't tell me. <laughs> I'm smooth at math. He had a calculator on his iPhone. Or he's, Blue's still got a flip phone. Listen out there in the, in the radio world. 98 birds. 98 birds in one day legally ethically killed at 15 yards or less big decoy spreads awesome hides taking our time working hard that's what these guys do at flatline that's why we're here that's why we're so impressed with the place i'm not saying that there's not other great outfitters around but there is there are and but this is exceptional when you mix it with your networking your land your farmers it all comes together to make the dream happen yep we got a Traeger to cook some of them on tonight. Yep. We got a day off today because it's pouring rain. It's yeah, it's, it's smoking raining. rain. What's this going to do to this part of Oklahoma as far as getting around and accessing places? It's going to be nasty. It'll make it tough. It's going to be nasty. We'll have to drag decoys in. Yep. That yeah, y'all. That Yamaha is going to get to get get the workout. Yamaha. I mean, excuse me. Yes, the Yamaha. Instead of walking them in. Yep. Yep. Or get to drive in. Yeah, we're not going to get to do that. Like yesterday, morning's hunt, we would get to going across that pasture. Yeah, yeah. we'd be fine there, but that But the would that pasture, hunt, get, would we get stuck in that pasture today? Uh, no, it's pretty sandy where where that was. We I probably could have got back there. Granted, I got stuck because I accidentally pulled in the pond. But <laughs> Accidentally pulled in the pond. I had my winch out at 5 in the morning <laughs> pulling trail. With an 18-foot trailer. <laughs> trailer on That winch did good, it didn't did, it? It did. I can't believe it pulled it. That is a heavy trailer. Yeah, it's, it's not as heavy as you think. Well, it, is, it ain't as full as it usually is. No, it's I mean, not. But it's still heavy yeah. with the truck attached right. to it. Yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, granted, I wasn't stuck, stuck. I just was spinning. And I couldn't get no traction. So, so that day is that typical? Is a hundred bird day typical? Can be. It just depends on on the weather and the migration. I mean, we start out early. That I mean, it's normal, and then later in the season, if we don't get a push of birds, it can be a struggle. But I I've mean, got to get this uh, phone number for one of my guys right now. For he just found a good feed. He did. What, what's yeah. he saying's on it? 
uh, geese. Tell everybody the GPS coordinates on the microphone right there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to keep my phone. Everybody hand. get your phones out and get on Google Earth real quick. Go ahead, Blue. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so, this, so your guy just texted you. He, yeah, he just sent me some information on a field, and, and I sent it to someone else to pull some phone numbers for me. So, I can so get that's that network and, working. Yep. Right. See if we can get a hold of him and see if he's interested in letting us make a lease agreement to hunt his geese. And when you talk about a lease agreement in the state of Oklahoma, mm-hmm. what's the legalities behind this? What's allowed and what, what, how can you get on a field here? Well, I mean, if you're an outfitter, you know, you have to tell the farmer that you're an outfitter. I mean, you can't just you can't just tell him you're buddy hunting and go in there and run clients and make money. It's considered fraud. It's fraud. I mean, right. So, I mean, so we pay. I mean, we make we make money. We give them a percentage of that money to help them out, to help us out. I mean, we don't have a guide service without the farmers. So. And, and I've actually heard of issues where other guide services getting caught trespassing and getting fraud charges pr- pressed against them. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're making sure we're 100% supposed to be on that field before we hunt it. So you go in there and you say, you got birds on your, fo- your field, Mr. Johnson. You call them up. Mm-hmm. He says, yeah, we do. I want them out of there. I don't like what they do to my crop. You say, well, we can take care of that problem. Mm-hmm. Like now, now you say I'm an outfitter and I have paying clients. Yes, mm-hmm. he has the disti- he has the jurisdiction to say no. Go. He can say no. Pay me or go hunt it, and you don't have to pay me after yep. you tell him you're an outfitter, right? Yep. Right. So is, does that happen? Or yes. Our far- yes. Our yes. farmers so I got, a, yeah. I got a farmer that I work for that he will not let me, or that I've worked for in the past, he will not let me pay him, even though I've tried. I don't know how many times. Uh, I've just built a, such a good relationship with him, and he knows me so well. He, he will not let me pay him. So does that mean that you and Blue, uh, sometime during the year, maybe it's Christmas, maybe it's Thanksgiving, you go to the liquor store, give him a nice bottle of hooch, take it over to him to say thank you. You go get him a carton of smokes or, or, a, a, or a log of Copenhagen. Maybe a ham. A log of Copenhagen down here. I'm a good <laughs> hand. I need a dip, huh? I need a dip. You know what I mean? So do you, do you take care of your, your landowners like yeah. that, though? If they're, if, even the ones that are making you pay, you got to make sure that they yep. understand that you want to be a good. You guys are in a partnership now, right? <laughs> Got to keep them happy. Yep. And what do you do to keep them happy, Blue? Do what we say we're going to do and respect their land and treat it the way we would treat our own place. We leave it in a better condition than what we find it. And does that mean that you have to do what I just asked about the networking part of it? Do you, do you gift them out throughout the year and kiss their ass a little bit? I mean, we do somewhat. A little bit. I mean, we don't a lot. I, I mean, mean we, we don't try to make ourselves overbearing. Right. Because, I mean, you start... I mean, they're busy. They they work every day. They don't have a day off, and they don't like to be bothered. And they don't every want day. to be bothered. I mean, I, I I've helped them, and when I'm working, I don't want to be bothered. I mean, I just want to be left alone to do my work and go about it. So I bother them just briefly to talk to them. Yeah, let them know they have birds on them, and we'll be in there with X amount of guys and. We'll be paying you X amount of dollars. The guys we already have relationships with. Right. I don't I don't just go. If I already have, you know, I already had their land for five or six years. It doesn't matter. I don't just go in there and hunt. I mean, I call that farmer and I tell him he's got birds in there and make sure it's okay every time. I don't just, you know, have permission and just do what I want to do on their land. I, I don't treat their land that way. I mean, I talk to them every time I find birds on them, you know, and let them know what's going on. So honesty, transparency, now you got a good working relationship. Right. Are these farmers loyal to you now? That for And I'm talking the majority of the ones you work with. Yeah. So like another outfitter goes in there and says, I see birds on your land. Do they say talk to blue? I know other outfitter buddies, especially in Canada, where like, a, a uh, you know, somebody from the States will go up and then they'll go to a landowner's door, knock on it, and say, hey, Mrs. Wilson, I, I see birds out here. She goes, hey, I'm going to have to have you go through this guy, call him, and he ends up being the outfitter. They usually just tell them, you know, we've it's already leased. got it leased. Right. Yeah. They just tell them, it's already leased. I'm sorry. Yeah. So you, when you lease it, though, it's a day lease, right? Yeah. So well, they can lease it to we you. We don't just day lease, though. I mean, I paid. we paid day, by the day that we hunt. But I'm leasing their ground for as long as we can hunt it. You know what I mean? I, I make a deal with them for every year. So it's not really a day lease. I mean, we pay every day. But we're leasing their stuff for the rest of the season. You know? They actually make more money when we pay by the Daily. day than when we year lease it. I mean, I, I got a farmer up north that he he does year lease some of his stuff to other outfitters, but he's let me he's letting me in there 
to where I can daily some of his other stuff that aren't that isn't leased out, and he's told me that he has made more money off of me on that one field than them other guys paying for all the other fields for a year. Can you guys? Can you guys? think about off the top of your head with everything that you've seen and yesterday was a freaking spectacle but can you guys think of anything that comes to mind that the first part of this question is what's the most memorable thing that you've seen as an outfitter is there something that stands out of is it, the, is it the birds is it what's the most memorable thing that you guys have seen is it the birds is it the client's reaction is it taking a kid hunting have you i mean what is the most memorable thing trey that you've got to see being a guide or an outfitter in the state of oklahoma it's really probably the the looks on the client's faces and the this is a hunt of a lifetime or i had one the other day um this was my dream hunt i've always wanted to hunt yeah, when they tell you it's, it's the hunt of their dreams, I mean, that's like the best feeling ever. hunt of a lifetime. And, and what, what's... Do you hear that a lot? A lot. A lot. Every and day almost. It's, uh, it kind of sucks for us because... No, if we don't hear it, our guys that are running yeah. the hunts hear it. it I mean, it kind of sucks almost. for us because, I mean, we experience that almost every day. And yeah. it's it's a hunt of a lifetime for I don't know how many people. Most most, most average, people. Most average people, and right. Where we, we've got to where we overlook it. And if it's not a good day we don't feel like it was as good as it was supposed to be it was still a hunt of a lifetime for them guys and we didn't realize that it takes a lot to impress us and what does it take to piss you off which was the second part of that question <laughs> do you, do you, do you, does anything stand out with a group of clients to where you're like oh god not this again or hey <laughs> well you, yeah i mean i don't want to go too deep into that but is there anything i mean we've had some guys that you couldn't impress them. Right. I mean, you could do everything the right. The I mean, they shoot a limit and they're just not happy. They just yeah, got it, mad looks on their faces. I'm like, because wow, it wasn't better. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what, what we can do to help you guys. I mean, that's those are the clients that I don't want to come back the next year. Do you tell them that? No, I just I won't book them whenever they call. I just tell them I'm booked. Really? Yeah. If I remember, I don't I, think you should have said that out loud. But well, I mean, if, if I remember that, <laughs> well, why not? Well, I don't care. I mean, if, if I remember that there's a problem with a, a certain group, and when they try to book with me, I'll send them elsewhere. I don't care. I mean, well, that's there's plenty right. of people coming to hunt. I have the right to refuse service to anybody, you know. And if they're not going to act accordingly and be respectful and and you know be nice, then I mean, I don't want them to come with us. And then we got groups that, I mean, they've been with us for years. Um, started with you know with the other guide service we met them then and then they've they've got to know us and they come back every year and those groups we we look forward to I mean just the enjoyment the camaraderie well yeah after the, you the, take the, them the, for the friendship four or five you build. years you, you kind of build a relationship with them you do build a relationship with them I mean you're happy to see them you hadn't seen them in a year yeah. you know we, we got one group for, for some reason it, n- it never fails we hunt the same field with that group and they, they laugh about it every time are we hunting that field yep just because the birds happen yeah, to be there. They just happen to be there. The day they're there. It's what, three years in a row now? Three years, yeah. We really? have the same field every time they come up. We won't. Uh, just just happens to fall that way. We won't drop a pin on that one. No. So. Why? <laughs> I think a good outfitter should do that. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, Make I really it do. public. So let me, guys, let me ask you guys this. One of the cool, you know, well, our first trip here was pretty cool because we had some different cats in there with one of them being – Dan Henderson, mm-hmm. who, I mean, if he, people don't know who Hendo is, they're not in MMA or UFC or Pride or, you know, Hall of Famer. But what, what was that like being around Hendo? It was a cool deal, huh? Yeah, he's an awesome guy. Yeah, he's a really yeah, nice down guy. Down to earth, huh? Very down to earth, very yeah. humble. I yeah. wish I'd have had him with me yesterday morning. I wish, oh, yeah. I wish he'd come <laughs> back. Yeah. I like him, man. He's yeah, cool. Had I, like, I like Dan. Yeah, he's I, I, needed, I needed him yesterday morning, huh, Trey? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so having Hendo in camp, though, that that's that's a cool deal because it all comes together. But what we were facing at that time was Mother Nature. Yep. That mm-hmm. was one of them deals where it, it was almost a full moon and it was hot. The ducks were not flying until very late. Mm-hmm. Remember the three hunts in a row where we came down to the wire? Mm-hmm. We had like Last 10 minutes, 17 minutes on one of them. Yep, and we shot a six man limit in 17 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yep. The next night we had 14 minutes and shot a six man limit in 14 minutes. And the next night we had almost 10 minutes. It was like nine and a half. And we shot a five man limit nine and a half because they just all come and they, mm-hmm. you kill one group and the next one's descending on you. And it was, it was, there's a lot of mallards around, which kept us good, but it very easily could have happened to where the mallards just sat tight for another few minutes. And you're like, they do that if it's hot mm-hmm. and, and then it's over. That's a tough thing for now for you because the ducks are there. They're using the feet but the warm temperatures are that time. And like I've said before, a lot of these people that are booking with you 
don't have the ability to say, Hey, you got ducks right now. Okay. I'm getting on my private jet mm-hmm. and flying in there. Some of them right. may, but they booked these group, these dates out a year in advance. Yeah. The summer before. I mean, yeah, yeah. so they're at the mercy of mother nature. They get right. here. Sometimes it's out of the outfitters control to be able to, 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 to do that. Like if mm-hmm. the ducks aren't flying till very late and your clients are sitting there going, are they going to believe you that they're in there? Yeah. Well, they're going to believe me when I tell them, when I tell them I'm not God and I can't control wild animals or mother nature or weather. Oh, we, we they believe that. We've had it where I went out and watched the field. They were in there two o'clock on the dot the day before when I watched them hunted it the next day and they didn't show up five minutes before shooting light. Wow. But I mean, we're struggling with that this year. It it's just, it's yeah. warm. It's the warm weather. They, they don't want to fly. I mean, we got lucky yesterday. Yeah. That oh, we've been over yeah. it for a little bit. They've been yeah. doing all right. Yeah. It's gotten cooler. So let's look real quick. Bring up your whatever forecast you use on your on your phone tray. Whatever you guys use for your weather app, bring it up real quick, and let's see. Um, we know that we're rained out today. We have heavy rains, 100% chance of rain across the entire state of Oklahoma today. So we're not going to go mess with that. We're not going to get drenched. If, if we were just hunting, we would. But I'm being straight up. With all this equipment, I won't take a chance. Does it look good or does it look bad? Well, it looks like we're going to get rain tomorrow, too. Is oh it, no! It's, it says 8 a.m. It's supposed to switch to snow, but 7 a.m. We're supposed to have rain. 45 percent chance. So what's the tips? <laughs> um, it's going to switch from rain to snow. That'll make it interesting. It'll get 37, we'll, we'll get them, 36 we'll get degrees, 34. It'll make them hungry. Um, tomorrow there's going to be a cold front. It's not going to get above 33. We're tomorrow, just, 36. They're going to feed hard tomorrow. Hard. Yeah, they're going to feed hard. Is there any sun at all? No cloudy. No, it'll be cloudy. Mm. Cloudy and windy. It's supposed to have 20 mile an hour north winds. If there's sun. For, I know you got to have it for your filming. I mean, it just it makes the hunt terrible, I mean, for us usually. But when it's cloudy and cold, I mean, that's when they want to come to the fields and feed. I mean, if a duck wants to be on water. So if it's warm and sunny, I mean, he's going to stay on the water and just feed on whatever he can find to eat in the yeah, water. you need cold temperatures to get him to feed right. the sunshine, yeah. for sure. Yeah. But it's got to be cold if it's sunny. I just like the way they work. Oh, they look beautiful, yeah, in yeah. the sun. And they work way better. And you can hide way easier. Your decoys have more color to them. What Sometimes else? I think we hide better when it's really cloudy. Wind. Really? And windy, yep. I mean, wind's, a, big, wind's a big factor, period. If, if I mean, we, I have seen too much wind. Do we have any wind tomorrow? 20 mile an hour. Oh, out of the north. wow. Is that too much? Out of the no, north? I've, no, it could get, get nasty I've, quick. Where are we hunting tomorrow? The, the field <laughs> we hunted the other day. Field we hunted last night, you mean? Last night? Yeah. Really? I mean, yeah, yeah they're, they're packed in there. They're so stacked. let's talk about what we got coming up, though, the day after, or tomorrow. We have some folks joining us, which is going to mm-hmm. be really special for myself, and I appreciate you guys. When I call Blue, Blue was all over this idea, mm-hmm. but... We, we were invited to Memphis, Tennessee to work with the Ronald McDonald House in St. Jude's Hospital. And Ronald McDonald's house is the foundation, the charity that houses families. When these parents and these moms and dads get the news, the worst news that you could ever get as a parent or as a human being that your kid's ill, that they have cancer, that they're sick. St. Jude's, you know, if you read the story on St. Jude's and the founder and how they did it, it's, it's amazing. You guys take the time to do it. You'll, it'll make you feel better as humans and to see how much compassion there was by Danny Thomas and and the entire family that, that handled the St. Jude's and today they still do it. And Ronald McDonald house got involved and they take on a hundred percent of the cost that it takes to have these parents in in an area because they don't they they House some of them might not have them. enough money to pay for all that right. so when they're in memphis they got lodging they got showers they got food they take care of them mm-hmm. and their kids stay there their brothers and sisters a dad might come in and stay one week the mom goes home and works gets the house tied up she comes in the dad goes back and works it's hell on them so these families are in in the ronald mcdonald house and they're faced with adversity their child is sick and Ronald McDonald takes on all those costs for him. So the charity, you know, that brings in these money, they do events and they get, they asked us to come in and, and do a show. John Gordon at Avery Outdoors at the time, he's on the, the board of directors for Ronald McDonald and the Clays for Kids event in Memphis, a shooting event at the Sporting Clays range. And we've got a bunch of our partners involved. We go down there to, to um, I'm thinking this is going to be so sad. 
And I'm telling you, it couldn't have been, it was the opposite. These kids just enlightened me. Their tenacity, you sit down with them and the, their heads are shaved off. They have bandages everywhere. They've had tumors cut out of their heads. And you, and you thinking you're going to cry and get all sad. And these little girls and boys are wanting to blow duck. I'm in there blowing duck calls and giving duck call lessons to them and their dads and, and moms. And they're all high-fiving us. And, and these kids still text me. They still write me. They send me pictures. If I could show you pictures on my phone of, of me holding these kids and just like you become so attached to them fast. And I wanted to do something special by giving back. And so I talked to them about what about a hunt? And so this family from Mississippi that's joining us tomorrow is coming up with their son who's in almost in remission. He has one more year of treatment. He's four years cancer free right now. And you have to go five years to be considered in remission. So he's coming up here. They love the outdoors. They love hunting. The, the, so we invited the dad and the son to come up. Well, they call me and say, hey, the mom and sister don't want to, they don't want to stay home. They want to, they're not going to hunt, but they want to see the reaction. They want to be there at night. They're so excited about this. The opportunity that Flatline's, you know, giving them to come in here and, and we're going to showcase what Ronald McDonald does in conjunction and association and partnership with St. Jude's Children's Hospital and Research Center. And I mean, that is what hunting's about. That's what the heart of a hunter is, right? Blue, when you heard yeah. it, you're like, hell yes we're in right yeah 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 for sure sad you get sad hearing about it yeah it's sad yeah uh yeah nobody wants to hear about kids getting sick you know not a good i mean i'm a parent i'm a dad you know i just think you know what if it was my kid you know yeah that's what i thought too but that's why I think that, you know, you, you get emotional hearing about it and seeing it. And I know you both are right now. But when you think about what this is going to do for this family, I'm, I'm promise no, you guys. And when, but when you meet this guy, I bet you 100 percent you're going to be like, this dude was never sick. That's how it was. <laughs> it's like these kids, besides the bald heads and the bandages everywhere, these kids aren't sick. Their attitude's amazing. Yeah. And it's you just you're, you're not even going to have time to get down because these guys are on the go. They want to just be rocking. They want to get you know, they want to live this and feel it. And and so that's what I'm excited about is is to be able to give back to somebody like that, that we don't know. We have no idea who this family is. Never met but, him. Before. But what Blue just yep. said now he got so quiet is because of the of, that's what goes through your mind and your psyche and your heart. It's like, man, what if it was us? I can't imagine my little right. eight-year-old daughter, Alyssa, right. going and, you know, have this. One of the kids I met, they, they got a headache and they started throwing up at school. So the teacher calls the mom, says, hey, can you come pick? Can you, what do you want to do? She's got the flu or something. Picks them up. She feels better that night. The next day, headache throws up again. She goes in for an eye appointment because the headache's behind her eye. The optometrist goes, he knew, it's like he knew right away. He says, you need to go get a CAT scan. Mm -hmm. And boom, the mom takes him. Her mom's Jennifer. She took her in for a CAT scan, two brain, brain cancer in her brain and then to go in and cut this little six-year-old girl's she's seven years old right now i just got an email or a text from jenny she gets to go home at the end of this month that she's she's feeling good enough the survival rate now at at um st jude's is through the roof compared to what it was 30 40 years ago that's what that's medicine awesome. and studies modern and modern medicine modern medicine has done Awesome. which is a great time. It sounds stupid, but if you're going to get it, this is the time to get it. Um, you know, as far as the, the, the medications and the treatment that are out there and yeah. to see the survival rate of these kids, I, I it just, it fills me with joy. And I'll show you guys some pictures after of what the visit did. So this is going to bring it all full circle, the visit to the house, meeting the parents, meeting the kids, going to the hospital, getting a tour of St. Jude's, meeting the doctors, and then going to the sporting clay event at clays for kids and seeing all these businessmen that are spending their hard earned money to be a part of this on a work day they're out there on a wednesday shooting and giving their money and auctioning and buying prizes then there's a dinner on that thursday and they buy more a raffle and stuff and all that money goes to the ronald mcdonald house to help pay for these bills the just the light bill every year is amazing at, oh, but that event that imagine. one event covers their entire power bill for 365 days that's I can awesome. imagine the power bill because just the power bill in this place is outrageous. Yeah, and you got, I mean, you got tons of families in there at once. So that, being a hunter and Blue is saying, yeah, I want to be involved, that meant everything. Mm -hmm. So I think that, that, you know, being an outfitter, you have the opportunity to meet Dan Henderson and hunt and have fun and drink a cold beer and have those memories. Well, I told Trey, you know, you know, you were talking about bringing Zach Brown, you know, this time of year, you know, last summer before you had this going on with St. Jude's. And I told Trey, you know, I think, I think it, it's, it's just better to, to take this kid, you know, that's, he's coming out of it. He's, he's making it, you know, yeah, exactly. show the other people out there, you know, there's hope. Yeah. Even if they are, you know, terminally ill. 
Yeah. And that's the there thing. Is hope. That's the thing about there is hope. There's 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 a way to fight through it. And there, this is a success story that's come out of it and survived it. And we get to hunt with him. We get to see the reaction when that dog, when Minnie brings back a freaking greenhead or a bull sprig or a lesser Canada, it's going to it's going to come full circle. And that's yep. the, all these different walks of life. I talk about it all the time. There's so many different walks of life in hunting that come together because of hunting. We've hunted with celebrities, janitors, bus drivers, pilots, Air Force, Marines, Army, <laughs> Navy. We've hunted with all arms and branches of the military, yep. Army Rangers, Green Berets. We've hunted with special forces, yep. with the guys that protect our freedoms and have no fear in life. We've hunted with regular Joe Schmoes that have mm-hmm. nine to five jobs. We've hunted with professional athletes and baseball players, millionaires, people that make $50,000 a year. Can I say something? I just had a memory of a hunt. I just want to say real quick. Uh, do you remember that hunt we did? It's been years ago. We took a bunch of wounded veterans. Up here, up north, it was up north of us here. Yeah, yeah. We had a really good hunt, man. And and those guys, I mean, after that hunt, they were just so jacked. They were so happy. I mean, they they. I, I remember them saying that that was like the best day of their life. Yeah. I mean, they told me that. I mean, they were all wounded vets. I mean, you know what I mean after nine yeah. eleven. They, they told me that, that 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 made it all worth it for them. And that's what they'll tell to you. To go and fight for our country, you know, put their life on the line so we can enjoy, you know all the freedoms that we have here and get to do what we do. I mean, yeah. And that's what it's all about. And that's what right. I'm saying is that as, as a hunter and you get to give back like that and all yeah, we stuff. didn't charge them nothing, you know, we didn't make no money off that. Hunt. No, we, that was a wounded warriors. Yeah. You know, I think we donation. paid money out of our pocket, you know, for the, yeah, for the, the leases that day, and you know, our guys, just and, like we do with you guys. I mean, we, yeah. we take care of it. Yeah. It ain't always about making money. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, it ain't, it ain't can't always be about the dollar, yep. you know, well, if you do the right things in life and the small things, then those bigger things are going to come. The money will come if you do right. things right and you take care of stuff like that. And all these different walks of life come together at hunting camp. And they, they, yep. the common denominator, the common bond is hunting. And you get to meet all these different people. Now think about that, though, that we get to give back to this kid now, mm-hmm. this walk of life that's surviving this, mm-hmm. that's yep. gone through hell. And because of hunting... And because of our relationship with John Gordon through hunting, we're at the Ronald McDonald house because of hunting doing this. And now we get to showcase what they're doing because of hunting. We don't have a home and garden show. We don't have a race car show. We don't have a home improvement show. We don't have a show where you open up a storage container and you bid on every somebody else's trash. <laughs> we have a show and I'm not saying those are bad. We have no. a show that we get to give back because of a freaking green headed duck mm-hmm. and a That's Canada right. goose right. and all this drive and this passion, this empathy, this compassion that comes out of us, this love that as hunters, the heart of a hunter. Now we get to see a kid that went through freaking hell and his mom and dad and sister went through hell thinking that their mm-hmm. brother and their kid was going to die yep. and now he gets to come back out in the in the woods in the in the waters in the peat or the peanut fields of freaking oklahoma with blue and trey and chad at flatline outfitters now he's going to go to him he's not going to go to him it's going to be like him yeah, yeah. yeah. now it's going to be like he's going to be All the right. best thing that he's ever had well, and that's it. what i'm saying what i what, what you excited. said about the 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 army hunt that you did with the warriors that fought for us hunting is therapy it is it's very therapeutic when i'm in the blind i'm it's therapeutic for me because it's like the stresses and that's what you got to get to you're close to god whenever you're hunting yeah and when you're stressed you got to understand when you're in that blind that stuff all goes away yep and that you're experiencing something i just sat in awe yesterday of what we were getting to experience both hunts Mm -hmm. And yeah, we're, we're very fortunate where we're at with our entities to be able to do that, to have you guys do that for us. And then you guys are very fortunate to have us do what we do for you. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of people it that works would, both ways. would die to be in our shoes. Yeah. A hundred percent. And that's what I think that we need yeah, to start. We're very blessed. That's what pe- I want people to get out of this is that this isn't, Hey Chad, come kill more ducks. Come to flatline. Hey guys, book your hunt at flatline outfitters. I want people to see Hey, one time we have a celebrity here and what's that celebrity doing? He's humbled. He's on his knees to God and mother nature going, mm-hmm. dude, did you, did you see what those ducks did? did right. you, that Kendo's like, what? Well, are you kidding me? What, what just happened? Mm-hmm. And now come again. We have another totally opposite end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. A kid that survived brain cancer from St. Jude's in the Ronald McDonald house. And he's going to be like, what? Do you see what those ducks just did? Oh my God. I never saw nothing like that in my life. Mm-hmm. You had a multimillionaire hall of famer from the ufc you have a kid that it doesn't matter how much i don't know what his family does or mm-hmm. what there doesn't matter it doesn't even matter That's he right. was sick he was dying they were going through a living hell mm-hmm. and those ducks and flatline outfitters 
Hendo smiles. This kid smiles. Think about that. That's yeah. bigger. We're making them th- that's bigger than a, a freaking Instagram post where you guys get 70 likes on, yep, or I exactly. get a couple hundred likes on. Who gives a shit? Exactly. That's what outfitting's about if you do it right. That's what those landowners, that's what those clients, those potential clients need to understand that when they're not here and they're not hunting ducks in the peanut fields of Flatline, this is what Flatline's doing. They're on a phone call talking about St. Jude's and talking about Ronald McDonald House and what we're going to get ready to give back. Yep. That's yep. what it's about. Not about pulling the trigger, not about being the best freaking duck call in the world. Because I'm telling you what, right now, that shit gets you nowhere. Exactly. Yeah. It might win you a trophy, but pretty soon your mom's going to go, we got too many trophies. I'm, my mom gave a lot of my trophies away. We're going to give them away? She's like, yeah, I'm tired of this shit. You're too good at it. The trophies, I'm not saying that I had a ton of trophies, but I had I had enough for where she's like, give them away. They only last so long. Yep. It's those memories and that give back. Memories last forever. It's that give a shit that freaking last it's like we care we want this to be memorable for this kid and if he comes in here and he doesn't kill a thing it's going to be memorable because we're going to make him feel like he's on top of the world yep because he is on top of the world and he's just as important to our lives as dan henderson is and if hendo was here he would tell that kid good freaking work keep fighting yep keep fighting he'd sign some gloves for him he'd sign some shorts Mm -hmm. shirts for him and then I would spar with Hendo and probably knock him out. Remember that, Hendo. <laughs> Remember not. that, Hendo, for next season when you come back. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell him I said that, Trey. Don't tell him. But, guys, I wanted to, I wanted to introduce our, our world, our podcast world, to, to Blue and Trey, Flatline Outfitters. They're good personal friends of mine. We're becoming better friends. I'm not saying that there's not ups and downs. I'm not saying that relationships and friendships won't have those rocky moments. But you're an asshole if you hold grudges. Don't hold That's a grudge. Right. Don't right. let little things stop you from being friends. Um, learn how to say sorry. Learn how to accept an apology. Learn how to accept people for who they are. I'm getting better at it every day in life. I meet a lot of people. A lot of people come in and out of my life. And I'm learning to, you know, let my guard down, trust people a little bit more, try to develop a a relationship, something that's lasting, a bond. And with these guys, Trey and Blue, I think I got it. We we uh, we've we've done a lot already in a a year and a half of knowing each other. We got bigger plans than what we're doing right now. Flatline Outfitters. How can they find you guys? Flatline Outfitters on on Instagram, Facebook, Instagram, our website. Website. What's the website? Huntflatlineoutfitters.com. Huntflatlineoutfitters.com. That's a long one. Y'all need to shorten that up. We kill more. Geese.com. We kill more geese.com works yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. That's I don't a like domain that name. one either. That's a domain name. <laughs> I like that one. You do? I think it's juvenile. Okay, maybe. <laughs> no, it's I don't know. Trey, yeah, Trey, Trey and Blue, they battle just as much as I, I do with some people too. It's funny as We're shit. We're t- two totally different uh, yeah, You gotta have it. You yeah. gotta have it. He's, like, all, he's, he's my best friend though. Here's some so. things to remember though that I've learned. It's just like a good set of pointing dogs or a good team of duck callers. You don't get on top of each other. You don't let let things last too long, and you don't nope. ever like if you don't ever hold a grudge. Yeah, and when you're interrupting somebody, you just say, "Oops," you know. There's just Sorry. little things like that, you know, like that I'm learning in life to where you, there's right way to do shit. <laughs> hold the door open for somebody. Doesn't matter if they're 70 or freaking 15. Hold the door open. Yep. If they don't say thank you, tell them, "Hey, you need to say thank you." <laughs> no, don't say that. But it pisses me just off. Just hold it up. Oh, no, right. <laughs> or just keep holding it <laughs> until he comes back no, out right. and see if he says thank you that time. But guys, girls out there, this life ain't for everybody. Again, every walk of life is different. The the title does not mean that this life isn't for you. This isn't meant for you. It's too tough for you. All of our lives are different. And my life might not be cut out for you, but take the time to respect what I do. Uh, and I'm going to take the time to respect what you do. Everybody's different. We all come from a different set of DNA, a different set of genes. That's what makes us look different. That's what makes some people taller and some people short. I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. Take it, Blue. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what makes us all different, guys and girls. And I think that uh, it's not a pedestal. It's just saying, just take the time to learn what makes each each of us and and respect that and that's how friendships flourish i'm not saying that you're not going to get pissed i'm not saying that some friendships aren't going to end but so be it there's a lot of friendships that aren't meant to be lifelong the lifelong ones are special i can count my good my best friends on one hand i got buddies i got comrades i got people that i run with i hang with i got a little clique i got a a society but i got some best friends and you can count them on probably maybe two hands but that's what life's all about. And if you just take the time to get to know those different individuals and what they bring to the table and respect that and give them that due respect, then uh, things are going to go a lot smoother, I think. And we learned that yesterday, didn't we? Yep. We had a little bit of a rocky start, but it all smoothed out and it turned into one of the best days of the 2018-19 waterfowl season. We had our it good was. buddy Brian Stamps it with was. us. Yep. 
We had our good buddy Brian Sams. What's his buddy's name? Mike. Mike, Mike runs Mike. what kennel? And do you guys remember the name? Cedar Creek Kennel. I think Cedar I think, something I think kennel. Right. Cedar Ridge Kennel, maybe in Virginia. Yeah, he's in Virginia. Heck yeah. of a heck of a dude. Yeah, Mike's yep. cool guy. He's good. But for he's everybody good. here in Oklahoma, not everybody in the state of Oklahoma, but everybody where I'm at in Oklahoma with Flatline Outfitters. Elijah Blue Moore. Is Blue your real middle name? Yeah. B L U. Yes. I like that. Blue. Is it because of your eyes? Uh, of I was named Audrey? after Cher's son. Cher's son. Mm-hmm. If I could turn back time. His name is Elijah Blue. My mom. Uh, Elijah really, Blue. That's pretty. Well, she really liked that name. So Cher's I was born, badass. I was born around the same time, I guess, or right after that, you know. Trey Miller. The third. The Eddie third. Miller. The third. Trey. Trey, Martin. Trey's not Trey for three. Y'all are going to see this on the episode. Trey's but Trey actually holds a world record for what is the sport called? The well, horseback? I, it's not a world. I don't hold a world record anymore. It got broke. It got broke. Yeah, it got broke like an hour after I said I broke it. But you got to be flying on these <laughs> yeah. horses. What's, oh, yeah. what's the event called? Cowboy, Cowboy Man and Shooting. Cowboy Man and Shooting. You guys check that out. Trey Miller. Look him up on Google. His videos are on there. Look him up on YouTube. But he's a hell of a horseback rider. He can shoot pistols and shotguns off of him, shoot these balloons. Rifle. His Single dad does it. His rifle. mom does it. Yeah, single action rifles. His brother does it. Lever action. Yeah. Single action pistols. Single, single action, action pistols. It's freaking awesome to watch. And these horses are running at 35, 40, sometimes faster than that, probably in short distances. They get them going in a hurry. But again, guys, this life ain't for everybody. Thank you all so much for the support. Check us Thank out you. at thislifeaintforeverybody.com. Check us out at thefowllife.com. New episodes airing right now at season 10 on the Outdoor Channel and my Outdoor TV app, Mo TV. We have new Foul Life and This Life Ain't for everybody merchandise in our online store we also have jargon duck calls and game calls merchandise hats beanies shirts sweatshirts and the new duck calls the loudmouth, the small talk and the icebreaker available at jargongamecalls.com our dealer base continues to grow the support of that has been awesome the support of the foul life in this podcast this life ain't for everybody has been so humbling thank you all so much for mr elijah blue moore and trey miller of flatline outfitters check them out at huntflatlineoutfitters.com or we kill Geese.com. And as usual, I want to send a big thank you out to all the support that we've been getting here at the podcast. Uh, remember, today's episode was brought to you by our friends at the Bone Collector North American Whitetail Championships. Go to the website, nawtc.com or bonecollector.com. Get signed up. Get the details. It's only $300, like I said before at the beginning of this podcast, to get signed up. But as soon as you sign up, you get a package that's worth over $500 in Tacticam, Gator Cooler Tumblers, Broadheads, a, a ton of different things that are going to accessorize your bow, guys. You can't go wrong. It's the North American Whitetail Championships brought to you by Michael Waddell and the Bone Collector Crew. 14 regions across America and Canada. There's two ways to get involved through qualification and the actual championship. And when you get the details, you're going to be like, man, this is a no-brainer. It's going to be fun. It's ethical. It's great for the sport. And it's going to bring deer hunters around the country and Canada together. We're going to unite and make this one for the ages and for many years to come. So again, thank you, North American Whitetail Championships, for supporting This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. I'm Chad Belden. Can't wait to see y'all out in the field. Say life on earth won't last that long. What you gonna do when the money's all gone?